Here's what's coming up on today's show. The point is, is that there are going to be adjustments, things that need to be made, regulations that need to be imposed or removed. But collectively, we have to want this to work. If everybody took all of their money out of the banking system and they buried it in their backyard or put it under their proverbial mattress, that's not good for anybody. When it comes to your finances, you don't want to be at a disadvantage. Tim Dyer can help. He's a wealth manager specializing in retirement planning and investment management, and he can be that financial coach that helps you achieve your goals in retirement. This is Retirement Power Play. Well, hello, and welcome back into the Retirement Power Play podcast. I'm Ben George. He's Tim Dyer at Dyer Wealth Management there in San Diego. And today, Tim, we're Let's just continue on this theme of uncertainty. It seems it seems like uh, you know this has been the theme for the better part of I guess a couple of years now. But I at least keep thinking, well, things are going to settle down eventually. But twenty twenty three has been no different. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot, a lot to unpack uh, so far in twenty twenty three. But you know, it's interesting because when, when we talk about planning, we're always trying to plan for the unexpected. And we know that there are things that are unexpected, right? Uh, Uncertainty. And if there's an increased level of uncertainty, that usually comes with an increased level of uh, uncomfortability, if I could say it correctly. Um, But, you, you know, you're always sort of planning for emergency situations. But I think there's kind of a, we call it a second derivative in the business. It's the ripple effect of the ripple effect, that that can happen that we're not always thinking about. Let, let, let me give you an example. Okay. So everybody now uh, knows about the Silicon Valley Bank scenario, right? right? It's it really is uh, you know a Harvard business case study for the future to you know show what could go wrong unexpectedly for what looked to be a very normal situation that turned ugly fast, but. You know, everybody's an expert on it now, I guess, from from reading all the articles. But the way I see it is is the takeaway from that scenario is that, you know, the bank in and of itself, uh, they were they were taking a ton of deposits and they just didn't have the lending need or demand on the other side. And I'm oversimplifying here, but to reinvest, that's how banks make their money, right? They take deposits and then they loan it out on the other side. They pay 1% of the deposits, they charge 5% for a loan, and they keep the difference. Again, those are hypothetical numbers. But in this case, they had so much deposits coming in from all these IPOs and and high net worth investors and businesses that they just took the excess money and they put it into uh, government bonds. We call them treasuries. And if we go back to our economics 101, we know that when interest rates go up, the value of bonds go down. That's a whole other episode. We've talked about that in the past. But Silicon Valley Bank got in in a real pinch because there was concern about you know uh, the deposits they had. People had way more than the $250,000 FDI insured amount. And so there was some concern that you know these deposits were, were not going to be that there was risk for people that had these deposits. And in, in the end, it, it, that proved to be true. One thing I'll note is that banks, when they loan money, they're not loaning one for one, right? So a dollar deposit, dollar of loan. 
it's a fractional system. And so they're loaning multiples of that, five, seven times what they're taking in in deposits. So looking at this situation, um, they, they had this massive bond portfolio. Silicon Valley Bank at this time, they had, a, they had $1.8 billion of paper losses on their bond portfolio. Now, normally that wouldn't be a big deal. It would just, you just hold the bonds to maturity and everything would kind of flow the way it was. But uh, these venture capitalists and all their wisdom, I say that tongue in cheek here in this example, but they sent an email out and said, hey, we don't think this bank has is, is got enough protection uh, or, or uh, liquidity. And all of a sudden, our, our, your deposits might be in jeopardy. So what do they do? They recommended their clients take their money out of the bank. So what did their clients do? They took their money out of the bank. And what happened? They had less in deposits. And now they needed to start liquidating this treasury portfolio, which had massive paper losses. And then we got a good old-fashioned run of the bank. And that just means that people just said, I want my money out of this bank. I don't like what's going on. I don't trust what's going on. I don't, I don't trust in the, the, the system. And it just creates a vicious cycle, right? And again, I don't, I don't, we don't need to rehash this whole scenario. We, we've kind of looked at this in, in many different ways. This didn't need to happen, right? There needs to be some legislation and some you know, restrictions put into place on, on some of these cap stops. But the, the system needs to have full faith and credit in and of itself. But that's not even the bigger lesson here. It's that in this scenario, the bank, they allocated their reserve capital, their deposits, in arguably the safest investment in the world, U.S. government or treasury bonds, okay? That doesn't mean that the price doesn't move around. I would say the first derivative, as we call it, is... They took the SX excess reserves. They didn't put it in Amazon stock. They didn't put it in you know, uh, the stock market. They put it in the most secure investment, maybe not stable value, but the most secure investment that they could. One of them, right? And the second derivative of that is that they just couldn't anticipate this unforeseen demand for withdrawals from these deposits. And so when we think about this and how it relates to our listeners or, or people as it comes to their own personal finances, you know, you can plan for negative scenarios and unexpected events, but sometimes it's hard to plan for the unexpected events that result from unexpected events. Does that make sense, Ben? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and this has been a. I mean, it's one of those situations too when you look back on it, and you know, you broke it down very well. But it's, you know, it seems like, and and I'm obviously not nearly as knowledgeable, but it seems like they did a lot of the right things, or at least didn't take a lot of risk. You know, invested in stuff that you know normal investors might think is a safe play, and we know bonds had their worst year in decades in 2022. So it seems like almost like the perfect storm. Once again, I feel like I've been saying that a lot the last few years in terms of these sure. financial crises, but like, what are the ripple effects of this then? Because it, you know, it, and again, we're recording this, you know, a little in the past. So the things have changed and been updated again, you know, maybe mm -hmm. excuse us for that, but what are the ripple effects in terms of like independent investors and just individuals themselves? Because it doesn't seem like this is going to have a huge impact on, on most Americans just from this specific example. It looks like the Fed has stepped in and taken action. But how does this change the way maybe people approach trying to be conservative and, and just being prepared for these unexpected things? 
and that that is the question here. And on, on the one hand, we need to remind people that you need to have faith in ultimately in the in the system, right? In in the backing, in the stability of the entire system. And the system works because everybody buys into it, right? <laughs> And again, we could go way off the rails in either direction here uh, as it relates to that. But the point is, is that there are going to be adjustments, things that need to be made, regulations that need to be imposed or removed. But collectively, we have to want this to work. If everybody took all of their money out of the banking system and they buried it in their backyard or put it under their proverbial mattress, that's not good for anybody right? It, that's like cutting off your nose to spite your face. Now, <laughs> again, I, I'm not saying that these things couldn't happen. Anything could happen. But these, these bigger issues have a tendency to correct themselves. Like, okay, so let's, let's bring this back to what the average uh, or what the investor can kind of glean from this. And I'd love to kind of put like a, a five-point checklist of things that you could do, but I don't think it's that simple. But I do think it, at a minimum, I think we need to just be honest with ourselves and say there are things that we know we don't know. There are also things that we have to admit that we don't know that we don't know, right? That we realize that we don't know them. And, and, and that, that, that has, we have to be okay with that. There's always a certain amount of uncertainty in the world in anything. But we have to be uh, you know, open-minded to how scenarios can play out good or bad i guess during the the peak of the svb bank crisis that's all anybody wanted to talk about and you looked at bank stocks which were feeling some extreme pressure their as their price declines heck even charles schwab is it was under the microscope are they solvent and whatnot because people were starting to look at the same metrics across the board with other companies and and you know we've seen now how that plays out but people aren't asking themselves now, you know, where is the opportunity? Or at that time, you know, where is the opportunity potentially in these banks? Or are we missing something else as a result of this? So, again, it, it's, a, it's a bit of a roundabout way of thinking, but I, I think we get sharper with our decisions when we give ourselves the permission to understand that, A, we can be wrong and that, or we can be right, but the result gets there in a totally different way than we expected it to get there. So those are my initial thoughts on a very unusual, kind of very complex situation. Yeah, and it's been a very unusual couple of years, and it just it just seems like it's tougher and tougher now for investors to to find a place to put their money because you know, you see an instance like this where the bank is supposed to be the safest place possible and you know everything around you bonds and just all these tip, different types of investments that are traditionally considered safe show that they aren't always guaranteed to be that so i guess it just is it just more about diversification than anything else yeah and i, I think it's about really getting clarity around the landscape right what we thought was just sort of close your eyes put money in a bank bank safe here we go now i, I, I want to be careful here like this is still the case okay Banks are safe. There's always going to be scenarios, situations. But, you know, really looking at, again, and this helps talking to a professional, um, you know, somebody that can look at something objectively with you and say, all right, this is kind of what the safe haven arena looks like. This is what aggressive investments look like. This is what cash flow looks like from 
specific investments. Get you know, I call it getting the landscape or taking a look at that risk reward uh, landscape, and and then just you know, and you got to brush up on that stuff and review that periodically, whether it's in an annual review or or periodically, whatever that might be, um, because the conversations that you're having five years from now are going to be very different from the ones that you're having now. Not only because the econ- the economy and the world has changed in a certain way, but we've changed. We've gotten older. Life. Other life events have happened. People have come and gone from our lives. So there's just something to be said about kind of staying up with this stuff and aligning yourself with a, a professional that's in your corner that you trust, that you can have an open conversation about what are some of the range of possibilities that could come uh, from an unexpected event. Yeah, there is quite a range, it seems like. So uh, again, preparation is key um, and be thoughtful with your decisions, intentional with what you want to do and if you have questions for Tim, I uh, want to kind of explore this idea and, and really kind of determine where where you need to put your money and what's best for you and what your goals are. Uh, you can always reach out. 858-459-3937 is the number. Again, 858-459-3937. And you can find all of our podcasts, retirementpowerplaypodcast.com. So any kind of final thoughts we should leave them with, Tim, before we close out? Yeah, well, uh, one of the old sages I, I follow, Art Cashin, he, he, and you see him on CNBC and things like that. He's on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. But he's always on when there's certain crises and things. But he, he has this saying, and it always kind of stuck with me. And he says, Ben, you know, be careful when you bet against the end of the world because it only happens once and it isn't going to matter if it if it does. So we got to take this stuff seriously. There's there's things at stake, but let's keep it in context here that um, you know, the, the ship tends to right itself. Uh, it always has in these scenarios. It um so be careful when you bet against the end of the world. Absolutely. Good closing thought, Tim. All right, well we appreciate you listening to the Retirement Power Play podcast. A bit of a deeper conversation here, but I know it's an issue that has been ongoing uh, for quite some time. And then with SBB here recently, get us thinking about this a little bit more. So we appreciate your insight as always, Tim, and uh, we'll do it again soon. The commentary on this podcast reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analyses of Sage Capital Advisors, LLC, DBA Dire Wealth Management employees making such comment and should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by Dire Wealth Management or performance returns of any Dire Wealth Management Investments client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. The opinions expressed in this podcast are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referred for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Dire Wealth Management provides advisory services through Sage Capital Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Dire Wealth Management and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Dire Wealth Management unless a client service agreement is in place.